Hi, and welcome to the Inside Out Security Show. I'm Cindy Ng, a writer for Veronis' Inside Out Security blog, and today I'm joined by security experts Mike Buckby and Killian Englert. Hey, Mike. Hey, Cindy. Hey, Killian. Hey, Cindy. How's it going? Good. The gang is all here. How was how was <laughs> VMworld, Killian? It was it was good. Good trip. Lots of um, great interactions with some customers and prospects. Uh, pretty interesting show floor in terms of what some of the other folks out there were doing. So overall, good. Good experience. While you were at VMworld, I was watching Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Have you guys seen that movie? I, I haven't. Yeah. Oh, so uh, I'm. it's a movie that came out a year or two. I'm really behind in my movies. But um, in the movie, there was a guy who stored a list of uh, bank accounts, and it's worth billions of dollars. And in order to access it, you need to enter a whole bunch of passcodes, a retinal scan, and then they ha- they you walk through this hallway, and it checks your gate. And then when you download that list, you need more um, authentication processes, like a, another retinal scan, a fingerprint, and a passphrase spoken with uh, the voice that they wanted from the prime minister or something. So it just it kind of reminded me how everybody wants everything encrypted, thinking that it, it might solve the problem. <laughs> But now it, I feel like in Mission Impossible, they just want to pile on all the different access um, activities and access controls in order to even get to data. And I just thought it was interesting and, and fun. You wanted to say something, Mike? Oh, just that I think, you know, eight-factor security probably breaks down when it's like something, <laughs> something you know, something you have the way you walk, you know, like just don't, don't break your leg at any point or like get a different new <laughs> set of shoes or anything. Suddenly you can't get all your list of stuff. So, you know, that's, I have that exact same security on my refrigerator. Uh, oddly enough, <laughs> you're afraid people's going to steal. What do you like to eat? <laughs> steal all your important foods. That's, you know, got to protect it. My sandwiches. <laughs> I'm surprised it's not on Mike's fridge because, you know, it's in the back of your workroom. That's just a little fridge. That's like the backup fridge that we keep the extra, like, cheese sticks in that the kids want. So <laughs> We're going to have to watch the video. Blame it on the kids. That's the hot commodity in the house, or, like, the little, like, mozzarella cheese sticks that you, like, peel. So We're going to watch just one of these podcasts where you see one of the kids, like, lower down from the roof. My daughter scares me to death. Like, you can see here, like, so this is the door. And she'll like be a ninja and sneak in. And she says like, I'm being a ninja tonight, dad. And then she'll sneak in and like jab me in the back while I'm working and all I can tell, ah, I'll scream. It'll be funny if she walks by during the show and we won't tell you we're going to be here. We're (laughs) going to help her. So, well, she's in school now. (laughs) She just started first grade. So not yet, but. In an hour, if we can keep this Yay. going for an hour. She'll get off school and like run in and jab me and run out. <laughs> so speaking of school, um, I I've been trying to just read a lot more classics, and I recently came across a really wonderful Dickens phrase. It's the attraction of repulsion, meaning that there's something so awful that. You just can't stop watching, listening, reading. And I I thought of ransomware 
when I read that phrase, because, you know, security is on my mind 24 <laughs> seven. <laughs> and so it's, it's true. We've talked about ransomware almost every single show. I wrote about it for pretty much every single month this year. And we just can't stop talking about it because it's happening so much. We've talked about the journey of a ransomware attack. We've talked about the awesome customer service. The ransoms are paid between a hundred to a couple thousand dollars. The downtime, apparently now it's on average 4,000 ransomware episodes a day. I don't know if that's true. It's possible. Um, and then two, Mike, you mentioned in another episode that for people to prepare, you should buy a whole bunch of bitcoins. So a bank did what you suggested, Mike. They they kept tens of thousands of dollars in Bitcoin in case of an attack. And so I thought it'd be interesting for us to keep talking about it because it, it, actually we all found some really interesting types. And so let's let's talk about the different flavors. I found there's one called Crylocker and it pretends to be a fake form uh, of a government. It's called, it pretends to be Central Security Treatment Organization. And it has like a seal, like an FBI seal. And uh, if I didn't know any better, that lately I've actually been getting a lot of phone calls that the IRS is suing me. I've gotten at least three of those phone calls now. They leave messages. And I, in my head, they're messing with me. And I really feel like the IRS is like going to, I'm going to get like, a lawsuit or however, some notification that something bad's going to happen. And so when that happens, it's, it's really confusing too, because when you get, when you're in, when all your data is encrypted, it says that your files are encrypted military grade. And so that's just, Hmm, is it from the government? Why are they, why are they adding those keywords? And then my favorite is at the end of the ransom note, they say, they share an inspirational quote and it says, quote, some people. Did we lose Cindy? I think we lost Cindy. She was too inspirational. I to do some... Yeah, go ahead. I think the, I think the quote was some people freeze and drop off the podcast unexpectedly. <laughs> Cause I think that's right where, that's right where it happened. <laughs> Either that or Cindy's messing with us. The quote was too inspirational. We can't share it. Yeah. And you're like, never to be repeated. We'll never talk of this again. It was just, you know, something that made my heart swell up. So it was good. They lied. It was not an Albert Einstein quote. I Googled that quote. And the only thing associated with that quote is Crylocker. Albert is turning in his grave. It's, so it's more the intellectual you know, dishonesty of this than the actual, like, you know, <laughs> stealing people's files and money thing. Like, at least get yeah, the sourcing basically. right. So. Yeah. I will, man, that is brazen, though. You have to think, like, at some level, if you put the FBI's logo on your ransomware and try to extort people, like, that's just like asking them to come after you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm... I'm it's it's just people go to extreme measures uh, 
and in Mission Impossible, Tom Cruise said, "Desperate, wait, desperate times calls for desperate measures," and I guess that's what what's happening. But um, Mike, so you shared a link about an open source uh, data store, Redis, with fake ransomware, and then later Killian he sent me a link about a ransomware that targets Linux machines, and and I was doing research and it. I think they're both similar. I th were you guys tricking me? <laughs> uh, well, I think what's happening is that ransomware, like when you think about ransomware, I think at least, you know, in our peer group, we think a lot about desktop ransomware, where this is something, someone has a Windows laptop, they open an infected file, and it encrypts the files on their machine, and then it encrypts the files maybe on some network shares. And it's bad, but it's sort of a known quantity. And what we're seeing now is that the pattern of ransomware is spinning out into all sorts of other places. Like, so we, we understand that pattern that, okay, well, there's this in infection that's kind of like a virus that you get an email from. And what's unexpected is now we're seeing these attacks against APIs where there's Redis servers that are unprotected. And so it's worthwhile economically for hackers and, you know, people trying to extort money with this, these systems to attack those servers. And so it's not just Redis. I'm sure, you know, if you have a MySQL server or Postgres server that is not um, secured properly, that those can be targets as well. And so it's taking a lot of these things that were previously, you know, data breaches or something else that could be bad and turning it into something much worse um, with the ransomware attacks. Um, so I, though I'm less familiar with uh, Fairware and how that is working. Can you give me an update on that, Killian? So. Sure. So when looking into it, and again, Cindy brought up a good point. I, they kind of mentioned a very similar thing in your article about Redis. Um, it's not entirely clear if it's actually a real thing. Uh, some of the, the notes in the ransom stuff basically looks like uh, people have compromised the server, Linux box, and they'll delete the files and say, oh, we've actually uploaded them somewhere else. But there's not a lot of proof. Um, I haven't dug in recently since I read the article uh, I don't know, earlier this week, or I forget when it was, uh, to see if more instances have been found in the wild. But some of the speculation seems like it's just people getting in there and trying to do the ran scamware, where they're actually just yeah. deleting things and uh, you know saying, hey, pay us ransom, but it's, you know, it's wiped out. And I believe in your Redis article, they had the um, RM dash F commands um, just to wipe all the, the, you know, directories out and claim they backed it up. So I feel like it's, it's a, or at least an approach. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, again, it's attacking infrastructure points mm -hmm. instead of, you know, so much file systems. Uh, yeah. They have the same, they have the same ransom note, um, but it's, they, they, it's implied that the files might have been permanently mm -hmm. deleted, but it's what I think it's ultimately a scam, and they're trying to scare you into right. paying the ransom. Um, there's also, there's the also, other, an, yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say the other one I saw too, and I didn't know if you're gonna bring this up. Uh, back to the desktop world, uh, is have you guys seen the one that is pretending to be a Windows Update? Oh, good. No. That's actually on somewhere. <laughs> that's that's a that's another one um I saw the other day too. It's yeah, it's pretending to be a you know Windows update and basically turning out to be ransomware. So even the security tools that we trust uh you know are are being made a little bit suspect. 
ridiculous. <laughs> Just the defeated Let's, head shake, Mike. The defeated head shake. That's what I'll do from now on. It's hard, it's hard to convey that on audio, but, you know, it's it's still a defeated head shake. So, so I think with the fairware and with these, an interesting twist of this is that these are much more public and that, you know, I think the predominant use mm-hmm. of Redis is as a data store and caching layer to websites. And so, you know, disrupting that, you know, something that's a lot more public. Same with uh, Fairware, where that's something that's a lot more public as well, even if it is kind of, you know, amateurish that it, you know, that it deletes stuff out. Um, are you guys familiar with ransomware PKP? Have you heard that? No, but um, I think it's related to something about public key pinning. We should probably talk about how it's... Um, we should probably do like a difference between um, strict transport security versus the key pinning, right? Yeah. So these are, so I think most people are, are familiar, at least anyone who's listening to us, I'm sure is familiar with SSL, which is the secure sockets layer, TLS, um, that keeps your transactions, the website secure. And on top of that, there are additional um, communication mechanisms that can be set up through web servers to communicate with browsers. And so these things are negotiated ahead of time, and it's sort of agreed upon behavior, the same way cookies are. Like to set a cookie in a browser, what actually happens is that the web server sets a header in the response that comes back to the web browser. And so along those same lines, there's two other kinds of headers. One is HSTS, which is Hypertext uh, Strict Transport Security. And really all that says is like, you can set a date and say, for sure, this website, I assure you, is only going to allow for SSL connections until this date. And then every time you request, it basically rolls that out again. And what this was meant to mitigate was coffee shop attacks. That you're in a coffee shop, you're going through this endpoint that wants you to, you know, mark and say, yes, I accept the terms to, and type in the word latte to get access to the free Wi-Fi, and then you connect. Well, what was happening was you be at home, access your bank account over SSL, go to the coffee shop, and then something would compromise it as a man-in-the-middle attack and say, oh, no, we don't need SSL anymore. And so now if you do this and you've had a connection that is HSTS, it throws up a big security warning that basically you can't bypass. So if you try to get to, like, your Gmail and then you try to get it without SSL, you get this. So this can happen in a lot of situations. And then as a follow-up to that, there's also public key pinning. And the public key pinning is similar, that, hey, we're going to put down the the key that we um, are using for the SSL connections, and with that, we're going to communicate to the browser, this is the only one that's allowed. And so this also helps with the man-in-the-middle attacks. So... Does that make sense, those two sort of technologies? Yeah. Um, I think also it, if you if you use uh, Internet Explorer versus Chrome, it shows, like, the certificate shows up a little differently if you, if you, like, go in and do something bad, right? So, you know, these are sort of generic um, standards, and then how they're implemented in the browsers is different. Like, the, the actual wording in the message is different across them. Um, but they're all to help indicate, like, this is still secure. This is still okay. And what ransomware PKP does is 
imagine a situation that you're uh, a hacker. You've broken into a web server, and they don't know yet that there's no indication. So roll back in your mind then. What can you do to extract the most uh, money out of the person you've attacked, out of this web server? And the answer is pretty much ransomware PKP, where you could silently go in and force all of the connections to to be signed to a particular SSL key that you would generate. So I'm going to make all the connections to veronis.com, use this public key pinning, and then after a month of all these users repeatedly connecting to the site and stuff, I'm going to remove that that key. So suddenly everyone that's connected for the last month when they try to get back to veronis.com throws up horrible security warnings like this site's trying to destroy you, it's wrong, it's doing all this stuff. And the horrible aspect of this is there's no way to go back on it. There's no way to restore the files. There's no way to restore that key because they aren't the actual admins of the web server aren't in control of it. And so it creates this horrible situation where unless they can pay the ransom, get the key back, all of those people that are connected are going to get horrible security messages for accessing the website for a year or plus. I <laughs> couldn't tell if you're if you're able to, uh, even if you pay the ransom, you can switch out another key and then you'll be in, you're, you won't be able to access the site forever. Is that possible? Um, so without the key that was pinned initially, you can't go back on this, that there's no way... There's no way around it. And so it's, you know, what makes you sick it's, in your stomach is that it's the security thing that's being used against uh, mm-hmm. companies. Right. It's worse than someone owning your entire email account. Well, depends on your perspective. Both are equally bad. Well, what's interesting is there's really no good ways to deal with it, like if this happens. Like, I've actually known, like... The whole public key penning, it's very tricky to set up because if you mess it up, there's no going back on it. So I actually know a hospital that tried to implement this, and when they did, horrible, you know, issues, C-suite issues of like, yeah, I tried to get to the website yesterday and it was fine. I tried to get today, and there's this horrible security warning, like, is it a virus? And you're like, no, it's not a virus. And, you know, they ended up having to tell a good chunk of their company, like, well, what you need to do is basically uninstall and reinstall Chrome, and then you know, and that's just that's just untenable. Um, Wait, so I think this is something that uh, security researchers have kind of dreamed up that it, it would be possible to happen. I we haven't seen it actually happening to anyone yet, right? Yeah, um, I don't know of a site that this has happened to, but. Um, I know of lots of sites that have messed up their public key pinning. Mm-hmm. And I know of lots of sites that have been breached. You know, websites by their nature are are more vulnerable just because they have to be, you know, on the internet. And there's, you know, there's just more surface area to attack. So I think it's just a matter of time until there's a public instance of this where it would be very it'd be very easy if you had access to a web server to implement this. Um, and very hard. Unless, nobody is, 
nobody is sitting down each day and going through their website saying, like, oh, are we serving up a different set of security headers today that make it look like it's more secure, only to have the rug, you know, yanked out from under you a month from now. Um, so this is just fascinating to me. It's something, like, clever and horrible. I mean, this is this is exactly the attraction of repulsion you're talking about, Cindy. <laughs> it reminds me of the open source ransomware. Um, ransomware as a service. Um, it's just... It's scary, scary stuff. It's all I can think about now. It's <laughs> I want to blame someone. <laughs> so let's um. Well, let's. I wanted to just dive, um, pivot to like our parting gift section, but kind of before we go, move on to the parting gift section. What are I don't know any final thoughts in terms of ransomware. Like I'm thinking, okay, we're at least we're talking about um, ransomware that hasn't happened yet, but it might. And I'm I'm wondering, okay, what else do we do like beyond preventing? Be okay, we're done with. Uh, we've mentioned backing up, but that's not always possible. Buy bitcoins just in case. Um, oh, recently, I the FTC is finally coming out and saying, you know, don't pay the ransom. Um, have you guys heard of anything different or new or final thoughts on ransomware? From my perspective, uh, I mean, like so many uh, attacks in the past, this could only benefit um, – uh, Apple and uh, any of the random Linux vendors, because typically they're not, at least in the desktop world, so impacted on this. Uh, I was actually half considering um, switching out my desktop um, to a Linux box, but you know that's more security uh, through obscurity than anything else. I'm going to replace all my computers with Commodore 64s. It was good enough. For, it was good enough for my grandmother when I was playing like Load Runner. <laughs> at her house when I was a kid. It's good enough now. The, the lack of a web browser might be an issue. But other than that, I think it will be no problems. So. We'll just email you uh, or mail you the five and a quarter floppies to put in. I forget, did the Commodore have the five and a quarters? It, it had the, yes, the five and a quarter and the actual floppies, not like the little three yeah. and a half that weren't floppy. So. <laughs> Let's just communicate by writing each other snail mail. We can we can do this show the old-fashioned way. I don't. I don't even know how that would happen. We'd need like um, tape, like rolling tape or something. That's how people used to do shows, right? I think we'd have to do the Ken Burns effect, so, like just narrate over pictures, right? <laughs> like, dearest Killian and Cindy, I write to you from the front of ransomware. <laughs> um. Oh, hey. So I want to part. A, a fun gift. Well, it's, it, you both have cars and you drive. Have you guys ever um, seen a, or been in a garage where there's at the top where it's like a red light if the space is full and then it's green light if it's available? Mm-hmm. Oh, you have? Cleveland, oh, I must Cleveland Airport Definitely. Living under a rock, I feel like I'm parting the. <laughs> I 
I think it's the coolest thing that they've made with sensors. I'm a, um, wearable, the tr fitness wearables, but I didn't really feel like that did anything for me. I didn't think it was really accurate in terms of tracking my swimming. But I, when I was visiting my brother, we were in a garage and I saw the lights and I'm like, oh my God, that's the best use of sensors. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, okay. Well, maybe for New Yorkers or people that live under a rock like me, but I don't so think that's you live under a rock. I think you don't, I, I think you don't drive because you live in New York and so you're <laughs> less exposed to these things. So, yeah, well, it's my, it's my happiness gift. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. What about you guys? So my parting gift is that uh, the security researchers have finally done it, and they've created the ultimate USB prank destroy all your equipment uh, device. Have you seen this? <laughs> no. That it's a, it's a modified USB um, plug that will send an electric shock into whatever you plug it into. Mm. And it was some security guys, and they were trying to violently... Uh, get everyone up to the notion of, like, if you have exposed USB ports, it's not just uh, a data issue, it's also an electric issue. Mm -hmm. And so that if you have a diagnostic port in the ATM and it's sitting out somewhere, someone could just plug this in and fry it. And it. <laughs> and, and I thought, I, so I legitimately thought it was interesting just on that basis, that, you know, you don't think about, well, all, you know, we think about denial of service attack or something. Mm -hmm. Anything about, oh, well, they're sending all these packets. You don't you normally think about, like, oh, yeah, someone just stuck a USB drive into this, you know, and, you know, trashed the system. Well, I, th I thought that was interesting. That's my, that's my parting gift is use epoxy and fill up all the extra USB ports that are sticking around. So, Did I it? wonder if the new MacGyver is going to use that. You know, there's going to be a new MacGyver coming up. I need to watch it. I'm He's probably going to build a, a USB uh, drive out of maybe like a gum wrapper or something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but Mike, didn't good. they? I'd watch that. Didn't they have one um, a while ago that did something similar? It didn't it wasn't charged, but it um, it took one of the current um, pins and took it to another pin and shorted it out as well too. I kind of just yeah, the seems, connections. This seems worse. Like it has um, like it charges up. And there's capacitors attached to it. Right. And so it, like, discharges all those instantly into uh, whatever you plug mm -hmm. it into. <laughs> so. It's a bummer. <laughs> <It's what it laughs> is. Maybe not the best parting gift. So. Goofy hmm. gifts. Do you have a gift, Killian? It's like no. Christmas for sharing. No, not, not this week. Um, uh, being at VMware last week, but uh, I spent all of my time uh, back now playing uh, Deus Ex that uh, Mike brought up two shows ago. And I, <laughs> you know, I just, I want to hack everything and crawl through everybody's uh, vent grates because that's, that's pretty much, you know, my my gaming experience. I got frustrated okay. with it. I can, I've only made it like an hour in, so. <laughs> Hide in the vents. Hide in the vents. I got stuck. I get distracted. I'm like, oh, look, I can go up this like, uh, like cherry picker truck thing. And then I'm mm -hmm. up there and I'm like in someone's apartment. Then I, I look through like their trash for a half hour and I'm like, what am I doing with my life? I don't need to look through this digital trash in this horrible apartment for half an hour. I should do something. You, do it in, you could do it in the real world and probably could, make some money off of it. I don't even take out my own trash properly. I, I should get myself together is what I should do. 
There is a character in Orange and is the new black that they're like up in event fixing stuff. And I think I, I'm not sure if someone got electrocuted, but you know, I'm mentioning all these TV shows and movies because like I actually am watching stuff on, on Netflix now. So when you guys talk about movies and TVs, I actually know what you're talking about, but I have a lot of watching to watch. You know what we or should do for a new feature shows. is uh, we'll figure out all the movies and shows that Cindy hasn't seen and then we'll spoil them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I will need to zap you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you a Windows update right after the show. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Cindy, in Stranger Things, there's a thing called the Upside Down. Don't go there. So, that's it. Oh. So... Um, we're gonna, we're gonna give everyone their time back now. So thanks Mike, Killian, all our listeners and viewers for joining us today. If you want to follow us on Twitter and see what we're doing, you can find us at Veronis, V-A-R-O-N-I-S. If you want to subscribe to this podcast, you can go to iTunes and search for the Inside Out Security Show. And please leave us a rating. It'll help people find our podcast. There is a video version of this on YouTube that you can subscribe to on the Veronish channel. And we'll be back next week. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye, Bye Mike. Bye, Bye Killian. Bye.